my events, and I'm up here, and you have to listen to me. So um, the, the uh, Camp Blast is coming up in less than two weeks. Uh, so not this coming Friday, but the Friday after that is when we leave. And this afternoon, right after the second service, there's going to be an informational meeting upstairs in the loft uh, for all the parents of those students who are wanting to go. So even if you've already registered or if you haven't registered, if you would like to come and be a part of that meeting, that would be great uh, for you to come and be a part of that. I'm going to have a very awkward pause for just a second. My notes decided to close themselves while I was sitting down there. All right, there we go. So um, I want to start out today with a scripture reading that comes from Matthew, and it's uh, in chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And this is Jesus talking to his apostles. He says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So as I grew up in the South, uh, grew up most of my life right here in Hendersonville, I had a, a mother and a grandmother who were always cooking, and they liked to teach me how to cook. And there was something that I really enjoyed eating, but I never learned how to cook, and that was cornbread. And I love cornbread. And there's so many different kinds of cornbread out there. There's corn muffins, there's corn sticks, there's pancake cornbread, hot water cornbread, bread with uh, jalapenos in it and and, uh, kernels of corn in it. And there's so many different ways of making uh, cornbread. And so a few years ago, I decided I was going to learn how to make cornbread because this was something I needed to know how to make as as a southern cook. And so I began to look online at uh, some different recipes, and, and I thought, well, you know, I, I looked at one, and it, it looked okay, but I thought, well, I'll keep looking. And so I, I kept searching and searching, and, and I probably looked at 25, 30 different recipes for cornbread. I'm like, how difficult can this be to, to have all the recipes be somewhat similar? But everybody had their own little twist and their own little take, and and some people put a little more cornmeal than flour, and some people put sugar, and some people put all kinds of other different ingredients in their cornbread. But at the end of the day, I was able to kind of take a little bit from all of those, and I kind of came up with what my own recipe was going to be for cornbread. And then I, I tested it, and I, and I fine-tuned it, and over time, I got to a point where I thought about my cornbread. Now, I don't ask anyone else's opinion, because I don't care. It's my cornbread. And so if they like it... Great. If they don't, they can make their own cornbread. But this is is my recipe. And as you've been hearing a lot about uh, prayer over the last several weeks, all of us that have been up here in the pulpit, we've been offering to you basically what's our recipe for prayer. And last week, uh, Aubrey McGowan came up and he delivered a great message on cup and filter. And and filter was an acronym that stood for different uh, aspects of prayer time. And it was a a great recipe for being able to uh, go through a prayer time and get more out of that time. And so today, uh, what I have to offer you, again, it's it's just a recipe. It's something that that I actually had passed down to be from someone else, kind of like grandma's recipe. You know, it gets passed down to you, and then you pass it on to your children and so forth. Well, this this, uh, topic today that we're going to be looking at, this recipe is one of those kinds of, of things that was passed down to me, and I have I've used it over time, and I've made a few little adjustments here and there, but I want to pass it on to you. And it may be something that you say, you know what, 
That's just not my kind of cornbread. That's not something I want to eat. And if that's the case, then so be it. But maybe today, maybe there's going to be an ingredient, something that I, that I pass on to you. You say, you know what? I've never tried that before. Maybe I'll, I'll incorporate that little piece of things. But today we're going to be talking about something that I didn't come up with. It's not something I invented, but it's called the Acts Model of Prayer. And Acts is not from the book of Acts. So if you go away from here today and you're flipping through the New Testament and trying to find what I'm talking about in the book of Acts, you're not going to find it. So don't, don't do that. It, it will be fruitless. But Acts is an acronym. And, and it can also be uh, the CATS model of prayer. Some people uh, invert the C and the A, but uh, CATS sounds like a Broadway show to me and Acts sounds more spiritual. So we're going to go with the Acts model of prayer. And we're going to talk about these different letters and how they work into helping you to have a framework or a recipe for your prayer time. We just a moment ago read from Matthew the account of the Lord's Prayer, but in in the uh, book of Luke, in chapter 11, verse 1, we read kind of what prompted that uh, prayer that Jesus gave his disciples. In Luke 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, he says, he was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. So we learn a couple of things in this little scripture. One is that uh, the disciples, adult people that had been living with Jesus and daily having conversation with him, felt they did not know how to pray. Up until that point, the the priests had done most of the praying in the Jewish uh, religion and the Jewish customs. And so the individual people had not necessarily learned how to pray. And we also learn here that that John the Baptist had taught his disciples how to pray. And so these disciples said, Jesus, we want you to teach us how to pray as well. And he didn't look at them and say, oh, you you don't know how to pray, you silly people. He didn't. He just turned to them and in compassion went ahead and gave them an example of prayer. He gave them a recipe. He said, here's some things you can say when you want to pray. He didn't say, this is the prayer, the words, you must stand, you must bow your head, close your hands, close your eyes, and all those things. He just gave them a model, a recipe of how to pray. And it's interesting that communication with our God is very similar to human communication. And if we are able to communicate well with one another there's a pretty good chance that it's going to be easy for us to converse with God. And conversely, if we're able to talk to God, there's a pretty good chance that we're good communicators with each other. And this is evident sometimes in our society today that that we're not really good at either. We haven't really learned how to communicate with people, and therefore it's not a big stretch that we don't know how to communicate with our God. But we're going to be looking at this recipe today, and the first ingredient in the recipe of the Acts Model of Prayer is the word adoration. Adoration is kind of a fancy word, but it simply means strong feelings of love or admiration. Strong feelings of love or admiration. And so adoration is like the strongest form of love that you can have. And uh, I have a father-in-law that's a a little bit uh, goofy kind of a guy, kind of quirky, a little sarcastic. And he has joked over the years about the fact that he says, I told my wife the day we married her that I loved her, and if anything changes, I'll let her know. And that's kind of how he's lived his life. And he doesn't really communicate those feelings of love on a regular basis. And you can tell in their relationship that there's a strain there because she's not hearing on that regular basis about the fact that he loves her. And we sang a song this morning that talked about the fact that we're the bride of Christ. 
And can you imagine guys here that, have, that are married, you get to your wedding day, and you're standing at the front of the church, and you look at your bride, and you say, honey, I love you. I'm going to give my life to you. And the bride says, meh. What would that be like, guys? You're giving your whole life to this person. You're committing to take care of them. And you're saying, I will love you my entire life. And they look back at you with nothing but just apathy and, and not really wanting to show you any love back. And so adoration is our opportunity in prayer time to tell God how much we love him. There's a, uh, a coffee shop sign that has gotten a lot of publicity on Facebook. It's a, a person who lives in Roanoke, Virginia, and he got tired of customers coming in and just saying coffee and getting a cup of coffee. And so we're going to take a look at this picture. He changed his pricing. So small coffee, $5. Small coffee, please, $3. Hello, one small coffee, please, $1.75. So he monetized politeness. And he, and he wanted to try to encourage people to act more than just, I'm, I'm on my phone and I'm looking at this and I need a coffee and getting it and going. He wanted to engage in conversation and relationship because there needed to be something more than just a half a second of interaction. And God desires for us to have that same kind of interaction. My wife is a very loving person. Fortunately, she did not inherit from her father that uh, I told you once kind of mentality. But there is a word that when she uses it, it makes me just melt and feel warm all over. And that is when she says, I adore you. When she says that word, it just, it makes, it means so much to me. That word adore is such a strong, it's, it's more than I love you. It's I am passionate about you. I want to uh, be with you and, and I want to uh, have intimacy with you. And that word is just so incredible. And so when we're praying to God, we have the opportunity to tell him things like that. God, I adore you. I love you, Lord God. I want to serve you. And so during this first part of our prayer time, during this adoration time, this is our opportunity to tell him those things. And sometimes people say, you know what, I, I, I want to I spend some time telling God what I, how I feel about him. But, you know, once I get past, I love you, Lord, you're good you know, then I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out of stuff. And so it's important for us to, to understand, one, that, that the part of adoration is not about us. It's about God. It's about us relaying our feelings to God. But the benefit is for us. I'll give you an example. Um, those of you who heard me talk about marriage maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I told you about something that I did for a long period of time where I was giving my wife, every day that I was away at work, I was sending her an email, and it was just uh, telling her how much I, I love her and why I love her. And you know, for the first couple of uh, emails, it was, you know, I love you because, and it was easy. You know, I was coming up with thing after thing after thing, and then after about a week, it's like, okay, all right, I already said that. What can I come up with? And you know what? It, it became a little bit of a, of a struggle to try to think of something new. But that, that thing that was, was for her was benefiting me because 1,800 emails later, I was really able to quickly say, 
this is why I love my wife, and this is why I know how much she's a treasure to me. And it was reaffirming to me, not only her, but reaffirming to me that commitment and that understanding of why it is that I love her. And so if I were to sit down with her today, I could probably pretty easily come up with 20, 30 different things of why I love her. And so it's with practice, it's with repetition that we're able to begin to have this conversation with God. And we're able to say, God, I love you. I adore you. And maybe you're not, you're, maybe you're not great with words. Maybe that's something you struggle with. Well, I encourage you to turn to the book of Psalms. David was a master at words. He was a poet. He was a singer. He wrote songs and psalms. And if you read through the psalms, uh, some were written when he was a shepherd. Some were written after he was the king of Israel. And all of these uh, have the opportunity to lead you into a, a love fest with God. If you read the psalms, you can read the imagery and the, the words that, that David used. And so if you're struggling with adoration, that would be a great place to turn. Maybe a time of praise and worship as you're starting to pray. That was one of the things that uh, Aubrey suggested last week, and it's a great way for you to enter into some time where you're just loving on God, where you're singing His praises. There's a, a scripture in Hebrews 13, verse 15, and it says, Therefore, through Him let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips that confess His name. And so it's a sacrifice. It's something that we are giving of ourselves. A sacrifice is not typically easy. A sacrifice typically means that something else is, is dying. And so sacrifice in this particular case is that we're taking time out of our lives in order to give something to God. And we're giving Him uh, the fruit off of our lips, the, the praises that go up to Him. So we have a time of adoration. Then the second letter in the Acts model of prayer is letter C, and that stands for confession. Confession is one of the least used tools in our Christian body. It's not about God in this particular situation. It's about us. It's about humility. If you go back to the chapter of the very beginning of the Bible, to the first three chapters of Genesis, you read the story of creation, and you read the story of how God created Adam and Eve, and he created them in this perfect world, this Garden of Eden, where they had everything that they needed, and they only had one rule, just one that they had to follow, and that was to not eat of the tree in the center of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And on that day, when they, when they took the fruit off of that tree and they took a bite of it, Eve took it and she gave it to her husband and he took it and they ate it and all of a sudden they were revealed to themselves the fact that they had sinned. And there was something that they weren't familiar with. They didn't know this emotion. They didn't know what it meant to, uh, to sin. And all of a sudden they, were felt, they felt shame. And it says that they went and they hid in the garden. And it says that God came walking through the garden in the cool of the evening, and he asked a question, and it's a very important question, and we, we might just gloss right over it in the whole scheme of things, but he says, Adam, where are you? Now, God was not looking for geographical information when he asked that question. He wasn't looking for them to explain to him what had happened because of the fact that God didn't know somehow. God, the uh, creator of the universe, was not in the dark on what had happened and where they were. He was asking that question to get them to be able to tell him what it was that they had done. It was the first act of confession that we read about in the Bible. But it was a very important thing. Because the moment that Adam and Eve took that fruit and ate it, a wall began to grow up around them. 
and they were trying to hide behind that wall and they wanted to not see God because they knew that they had sinned. And when we sin, when we do things that we know are wrong, we have that same feeling. You look at your little children when they do something that's wrong and they go and they run and they hide in the other room. That's the same thing that Adam and Eve did. They're trying to avoid contact with you because there's all of a sudden a divide between you and them. And it's our parental duty to go to them and say, you know, now what happened? We know what happened. You walk through the room and you see, you know, the bookcase is knocked over and stuff's spilled out all over the floor and the vase is broken. You don't have to be a genius to figure out they were the only ones here. But you try to get them to talk to you and be able to confess and be able to say, Mommy or Daddy, I did what you told me not to do. I climbed up the bookcase and it fell over and I broke the vase. And it's that opportunity for them to humble themselves and to break down those walls. With God, we have this amazing reaction that he has to us. Whenever we confess, he forgives us. And it's an immediate uh, reconciliation that we have as we confess our sins. And if you don't believe it, let's look at the Bible. Because 1 John 1.9 tells us how this works. It says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Is that not good news? When we confess our sins, it's like it never even happened. God says, slate cleaned, do over, let's start all over again, and you don't have to worry about that that sin any longer. Now, when we confess sins to one another, sometimes it's not quite that quick. Sometimes there's hurt or pain or uh, a time of, of healing that has to take place. But that confession is, is a good step in that process. And so you, you tell God how much you love him. You humble yourself by confessing your sins to him. And then the next ingredient in our prayer time is that of thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving is something that I feel like is slipping away in the generations that are coming one after the other. When I was a kid, we were taught to say thank you to everything. I mean, everything we did, say thank you, say thank you, say thank you. And so, you know, we've tried to pass that on to our kids. Uh, Braden kind of got it. Zach is, uh, you know, it's, it's a constant reminder. He doesn't come up with it on his own. And, and, I, and I just I keep hoping that he's going to, to grasp hold of this idea of being thankful for things. And I'm, I'm thankful that I got taught this because it's, it has served me well. Uh, Several years ago, Gail and I were directors of a camp, and in our second year at the camp, uh, we were hiring a a head cook who had worked at the camp before but didn't really know us all that well. She had been friends of a previous director and and had worked there. And and so when we hired her, um, each day as, as we would have our meals, I would go into the kitchen afterwards, and I would get her attention and the staff, and I would say, thank you, great meal today. And it didn't matter what the meal was. It didn't matter... Um, you know, if it was oatmeal and, and uh, cold cereal, I would say thank you. Thank you for the meal. And it wasn't because that I was trying to uh, butter her up or anything like that. It was just that was what I was taught to do. You go in and you say thank you. Because that person and those people that were working in the kitchen had given something of themselves, and I had benefited from it, and so I was in there to say thank you. And about the fourth or fifth week of camp, I got a letter one day. It was in my office. And it was from the cook, and she said, Chip, I I have to tell you, um, when you came here, I didn't really like you. 
this is a great letter so far. Um, but she said, you have come into the kitchen every single meal, every single day, with a smile on your face, and you looked us in the eyes, and you have told us thank you. And you're the only person who has ever come into the kitchen and ever thanked us for a meal in the years that I have worked at this camp. And she said, I so appreciate that. And I see the smiles on the faces of the kitchen staff when you leave here, and I know that it's because that you took the time to thank them. That spirit of thankfulness is something that we need to grasp hold of. We need to understand how thankful we really should be. And it's not just thankful to one another, but thankful to a God who loves us and who cares for us and who gave us his only son that we might have eternal life. You know, there's a lot that we have to be thankful for. There's an old hymn that I learned when I was in the second grade, and it was titled Count Your Blessings. And it talks about uh, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And, and I thought about that song as I was preparing for this message, and I thought about if we really were to sit down and just start trying to make a list of all the things we have to be thankful for, I mean, that would be a, a long list if we really put our minds to it. And we really started to think about, um, you know, what it meant to, to uh, thank God for all that he has given us. Um, when I was uh, first married, Gail and I were attending a church out in Brentwood, and the pastor one Sunday said, um, all right, congregation, I am going to start praying for everyone in the congregation, and uh, over a course of a month, you will all be prayed for. And on the week that I'm praying for you, I'm going to send you a note, and on that Saturday, I want you to come to a prayer meeting that we're going to have here at the church. And so there'll be a fourth of the church at the, at, at the prayer meeting each of these weeks. And we're going to pray for an hour. And I was 20-something years old, and, and I was like, an hour? Okay, an hour. Wow, we're really going to pray for an hour. And so I, I had prayed, you know, at meals my entire life growing up. I had prayed in church. I had, you know, even said the prayer, at, you know, the closing prayer at church before. And, you know, I, I've been, you know, praying most of my life, but I'm like, an hour. And so we sit down in this prayer service, and, the pastor says, you know, a couple words, then he says, okay, everyone, just enter into inter intercessory prayer. And I remember bowing my head and like, okay, dear Lord, thank you for this day. Um, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my life. Hey, that rhymes. Um, man, I wish I had not eaten before I came because then I could pray for the food. Um, I'm out. I got nothing. And you know, and I was like, wow, only 59 minutes and 40 seconds to go. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm just sitting there looking at my watch for this entire hour, just trying to, you know, focus and, and come up with something meaningful to say to God. And I wish that I had had this, um, this idea, this framework, this methodology, this recipe back then. Now, over time, I got a little better at that kind of stuff. And, and when I was in my 30s, I actually enjoyed intercessory prayer. And I would go and, and praying for an hour wasn't that big of a deal. And, uh, you know, uh, once I uh, one time had uh, this uh, tool in my belt and I went to an intercessory prayer and, and I actually sat there by myself and just was started with the A and then the C and the T and the S. And before I knew it, an hour was gone. 
and I had been sitting there praying for an hour in this methodology. Because once you begin to express to God how much you love Him, once you begin to be able to confess to Him easily, once you begin to be able to thank Him for all of the things that He has done, then you're able to spend a lot of quality time with Him. If you're ever not sure about what to be thankful for, turn to Psalm 103. And in Psalm 103, starting in verse 1, it says, My soul praise Yahweh, and all that is within me praise His holy name. My soul praise the Lord, and do not forget all His benefits. And this starts a list of things to be thankful for. So you could just start with verse 3 and say, Thank you, for you forgive all my sin. Thank you, for you heal all my disease. Thank you, Lord, for you redeem my life from the pit. Thank you, Lord, that you crown me with faithful love and compassion. Thank you, Lord, that you satisfy me with your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you're renewing my youth like the eagle. Thank you, Lord, that you're executing acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. This is a pretty cool little list of things that God has done for us that we can be thankful for. And if you're ever at a, at a loss for what to be thankful for, uh, just turn to the Bible and begin to read through there and be able to understand that this idea of thankfulness is something that allows us to be able to converse with God and let Him know uh, that uh, we appreciate what He's done for us. The final part of this prayer, and you'll notice that it wasn't the first letter, it's the letter S, which stands for supplication or intercession. A supplication is a fancy word, but it simply means to humbly ask for something. So it could have used a different letter than S, I guess, but then it wouldn't have spelled the word acts. So, Supplication is a great word in order to be able to understand this idea of humbly asking God. But you know what? When you've spent so much time in thanksgiving and you've spent so much time thinking of what all you have because of what God has given you, all of a sudden, you're not quite as needy as you once were. And all of a sudden, my list for me is, is much shorter because I've just gone through this whole exercise of figuring out what it is that I'm thankful for. But nevertheless, it's not wrong to ask God for things because God tells us to ask and it shall be given to you. And so this period right here of supplication and intercession, it's the time where we're able to ask God for what it is that we need. But as I said before, the, the S, the supplication, is not the starting place. I have the most energetic, amazing nine-year-old that anyone has ever had. I'm sure that I think that and someone else says, no, mine's more energetic and amazing. But anyway, Zachary is just, he is constant energy. He is just going nonstop. And we'll be sitting in a room and maybe even engaged in conversation, and he'll run in and, Dad, 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 Dad. You know, he says, Dad, 12 times before I can even say, you know, wait, stop. And when he runs in the room, he's always got something that he is wanting. Dad, 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 there's this game that I need you to buy. Dad, there's a new fidget spinner. Dad, you know, it's always, he's just asking, asking, asking. And I find myself just saying no because he bugs me. You know, it's like, no. <laughs> Stop asking me for stuff. And, and, you know, then there's times where I'm like trying to be this gracious father who, oh, yes, yes, son, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Oh, okay, so that's a yes. No, <laughs> it's not a yes, or not now. That just means I can ask you again in five seconds and you'll say yes. But, but Zachary is always wanting something, wanting something, wanting something. And how many times in our lives do we find ourselves, that's what our prayers center around. It's 
God, 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 God. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to do this. And we skip right over the, Lord, I love you. Lord, I confess the sin to you. Lord, I'm thankful for you. And oh, by the way, there's something else that's going on in my life that I really could use some help with. What if your children, when they were coming to you, somehow they understood to say, Dad, you know what? I love you. And you know what? I'm the one that spilled the cereal and didn't clean it up in the sink. And, you know, I'm very thankful the fact that you have given me all these things. And, you know, if there was any way that you could help me with such and such, I would really like it. Man, would that be cool? Kids aren't going to do that, though. <laughs> that's wishful thinking. But we, as the children of God, that's what he desires from us. He desires for us to, to come to him with a humble heart. And this time of supplication and intercession is not just asking for ourselves. It's our time to ask for others. Because guess what? We know about stuff that other people need. Pastor Aaron shared a few weeks ago that, that he even keeps, he has several lists of prayer requests that he keeps on an ongoing basis. And when his family comes to him and says, Dad, you know, this is going on. I need prayer. He's got a family list, and he writes it down on that family list. And so every time he's praying for family, he's making sure he's hitting all of those things on the family list. And when a church member comes to him and says, uh, Pastor Aaron, I need your prayer for this particular thing, he puts it on that church member list. And, and he keeps these lists, and he's, he's making sure that when he's going to God, at the same time he's asking for anything for himself, that he's also taking time to ask for others and interceding for others. And there are times where someone calls you and says, just found out that my son was in an accident. Can you pray? And, and it's okay to just take a moment and say, Lord God, I, I take this moment right now to pray for that person. And you don't have to go through all of the A and the C and the T and the S in order to get to that point. But at the same time, if that's all we ever do, if it's just, oh, I, I need something, I'm going to go to God in prayer. I need something, I'm going to go to God in prayer. Where's that relationship? If the only time your wife ever talked to you, men, or the only time, men, that you ever talked to your wives was when you needed something, would that be a very healthy relationship with your spouse? It wouldn't. There needs to be that interaction, that communication, that love, that adoration, confession, thanksgiving, in order for there to be that supplication. In Philippians 4, 6, in the King James Version, I want to read that one first because it actually uses the word supplication, so you know I didn't just make it up. It says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now let's look at it in the, the Holman Christian Standard Version. Don't worry about anything. Isn't that cool? Don't worry about anything. What about that? No, not that. Not even that other thing you're thinking about right now. Nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, don't just come to me with the petition. Come to me with thanksgiving as well. Let your requests be made known to God. You tired of worrying about stuff in your life? He's got you covered. 
You come to Him with love and confession and thanksgiving, and you make those needs, that supplication made known to God, you humbly ask. He says you don't have to worry about it. Ushers, if you want to go ahead and start to prepare for communion. We're going to have a time of communion here in just a moment, corporate communion. But before we do that, I, I want you to understand that this idea of a recipe with these ingredients in it is not prescriptive. Just like Aubrey said last week, the cup and the filter, not prescriptive. It's not the, the one right way. You know, there's probably a lot of people out there that think their cornbread recipe is the recipe and that everybody else does it wrong. But with prayer, it's about what seems to make sense for you. It's about what allows you to be able to talk to God consistently. If I change the recipe every single time that I cook my cornbread, I probably would have have about 50% of the time or more where it doesn't turn out very good. If I just kind of pour some ingredients in there haphazardly and didn't really pay any attention to it, I probably wouldn't come out with very good cornbread. Consistency is the nature of, of what helps us to have good communication with God. Consistency of, of using that recipe over and over again. And it's not about legalism. It's not about being limiting. It's, it's simply a recipe. A recipe that you have the ability to tweak and to make better and to hear from different other people and say, you know what, I, I think I'd like to try that for a while and see if that helps me. Because at the end of the day, it's all about communication. It's all about communicating with our God, our Heavenly Father. It's all about communicating and helping Him to understand where we are and, and more importantly, helping ourselves understand where we are and what we need. I'm going to ask that you just bow your head. Dear Heavenly Father, as we get ready to take this communion together,